0: Hello and welcome to Dyslexia Devoted, the podcast dedicated to building awareness, understanding, and strategies to help those with dyslexia. I'm your host, Lisa Parnello, dyslexia therapist and founder of Parnello Education Services. Join me as we dive into today's episode of Dyslexia Devoted. Hello, everyone. This episode is going to be a little different than normal, and I'm going to be taking a more serious tone. And I've actually... Chosen to mark this episode as explicit, not because there's any sort of swearing or curse words or anything, but because I would like kids to not listen to this unless their parents have chosen to decide that it's appropriate for them. I know I have a few of my students who actually really love listening to this podcast each week, and so I want to make sure that kids know that this messaging for today's episode is actually meant more for parents and educators, and it is up to the parents to decide if this is a good episode for the kids to listen to or not, depending on their age level. Welcome to episode number 89, Learning Differences and Mental Health. This week, I had a much more positive-toned podcast planned for you guys that I was going to try to record really quick before I go out of town on vacation. And then, unfortunately, a mental health crisis of a child with learning differences directly impacted my life this week, and so I decided to change up the episode and make it as powerful as it should be for this heavy of a topic. When we think about kids with learning differences, we often think about the academic challenges. How hard it is for them to read? How hard is it for them to write? How hard is it for them to succeed in life and to reach their goals when they really want to reach them, even though it's hard for them, and how they can develop grit and determination and all these things. But another really big feature of learning differences is mental health. And depending on how early you catch those learning differences or how severe those learning differences are, mental health can have a very large impact on a child's success. Ever since I first started teaching, the most challenging kids were always my favorite, and therefore I've had a lot of big emotion situations happen over the years. Right from the very beginning when I was working with Somalian refugees, my first year of student teaching, or my first classroom, I had some of those same refugee kids. And I also had kids who were pushing into my classroom from the emotionally disturbed classroom is what it was called. Um, they have different terminology to describe that classroom now. So many times over the years, I've worked with kids who are having mental health crises. Happily, I am very good under a crisis. I actually freak out much more under 8,000 small things going wrong than an actual crisis. It was actually kind of funny when I was taking those like tests of like, what should you be when you grow up? They said I should be a firefighter. I was terrified of fire at the time that I completed that test, but they explained it to me that I don't freak out in an emergency and I can keep a cool head when everything's falling apart in like a major crisis fight or flight kind of situation. Now, you know, if only that would carry over into the 8,000 million little things that go wrong that will send me bursting into tears, you know, that'd be cool. But I'm not there, so I've had plenty of experience dealing with kids in crisis, and it's not a joyous part of my career path, but it is a fact of life, and one that I think we need to talk about because a lot of times people don't talk about it. When you think about a kid with a learning difference, everything is harder for them, and so sometimes those those mental health crises can come from a few different directions. Sometimes it's anxiety. I can't tell you the number of times I've seen, you know kids who are eighth graders having full-blown crying temper tantrums over their anxiety level of a test that's coming up. I wish I was kidding, but I've seen them doing actual kicking their feet, screaming and crying because they're so stressed out about a test. The kind of temper tantrum you expect to see out of a three-year-old. Imagine that out of a 13-year-old. And I've seen it more times than I can count. And then we also see various forms of depression, which is heartbreaking. I can't even count the number of times I've had to call in a mental health psychologist to evaluate a child to see if they need to be hospitalized for their mental health and safety concerns because of how depressed they are. And then we also have to think about the comorbidity, not morbid as in death, but as in like two things that happen together at once, which is that oftentimes dyslexia goes hand in hand with ADHD. And one of the features of ADHD for some people is that their emotions ride very close to the surface meaning they have big reactions, very quick, though they're not always long-lasting. A kid who can be perfectly fine one minute can downward spiral real fast into tears or sadness or anger or frustration, and it doesn't take that much to set them off. Some kids, we get lucky, and that mood turns around really quick. Other times, when that mood hits, that's the way it is for the rest of the day. I've also worked with kids who have bipolar conditions, where they can be completely rational, and everything is great, and they're perfectly happy into big episodes of being manic and out of control. And they're acting so control of their body and their emotions that they're giggling and acting wild when nothing that exciting is happening and they just can't contain themselves. One of the things that I'm really grateful for is that just like dyslexia has come a long way in the last couple decades, where there's a lot more research and support and ways to help kids with dyslexia. We've also gotten a lot further with ways that we help children as well. It has become much more widely accepted to get mental health services. There have been more developments with crisis teams that can come help during an emergency. I'm very grateful to a Santa Clara County crisis team this week for doing their job and doing it well so that everybody was safe in the end. And I love that you don't necessarily always have to call a police officer when somebody is in a mental health emergency. There are national numbers like 988 that you can call for things like suicide prevention. And there are different ways that we can help support kids of all ages who have mental health crises. Because when we think about it, if you imagine that four-year-old little kid hitting and punching and getting really angry, and then you grow them up to 14 years old, what does that same reaction look like in the eyes of the law? It looks a lot scarier when really it is the mental health that goes along with learning differences sometimes. When we think about some of the learning differences, some of their features for things like autism is that they don't always realize what is socially appropriate and how their actions are affecting those around them. And we have to work really hard to separate ourselves as adults who are emotional in a moment of stress and scariness into seeing when. That child doesn't realize how their reactions are affecting others. Even when they're bigger and they look big and they look like they know what's going on, they're still a kid who doesn't quite get it. And it can be so easy for someone who doesn't know the situation to misinterpret what is happening. And even once a situation is over, there's also an effect on the rest of the family sometimes. When you are watching all of these things happening, imagine being another kid in that household. So, you know, this week, one of my jobs this week was helping a kiddo understand that their siblings' actions are not their fault and that they shouldn't have to experience things like this, but unfortunately, sometimes we do, and helping make sure that family members can also get support. In a really sweet moment last week, I have a little boy who comes to me because of his learning difference who's already getting therapy and works with a feelings doctor is what he calls her, I believe or he or she, I'm not sure the gender of the person. And the other day, he told me that I should go do that too, and how I'd make a really good feelings doctor, which I thought was absolutely adorable. And I had to promise him, you know what, buddy, I'm pretty sure I'm good with the job I have now. But the fact that you think I'd be good at that, that's really kind of you to say. I know I personally probably could not handle that level of emotion all day, every day. I will happily take most of my day being kids who are happily, eagerly making progress, feeling good about themselves and celebrating their successes. But I also know about 10% of my sessions are kids who are distraught and frustrated and crying and crying out for help. And so, yes, I have gotten very good at dealing with things when they hit their crisis moments, but it's not my favorite part of my day, but it's a part that we have to accept and know how to support. So if nothing else, I encourage you to consider the mental health of the children in your life. Think about what are these small things that could turn into really big things. Sometimes it's easier if a child is already going to a counselor before things get terrible because then trying to trust somebody new when you're in a crisis situation is not exactly an easy thing to do and is not likely to be that productive compared to if you get them support earlier on when they are just starting to fester and things are just starting to bubble up, that is a much better time to get them support. Is early intervention, just like reading intervention, it's better to get it early because that emotional intervention for kids who really need an outlet and somebody safe to talk to is really important. I know I have one kiddo who was like, can I tell you something? Well, was like, you can go tell your therapist, but I don't want them to tell mom and dad. Can I just tell you my feelings for today? You know what, bud? Sure you can. Go for it. I promise I'll keep it a secret. And sometimes that's what the kids need is that chance to let something out before it blows up. And that's so important. My office is located in Palo Alto, California, where we actually unfortunately have very high suicide rates for teens because the pressures to succeed in an area where everybody seems so successful are high. So if you add that into the fact that we have kids who have learning differences and just getting by at the normal level is hard for them, let alone trying to aspire to be as perfect as everyone they see around them, which, yes, as adults, we know everyone around us is not perfect. It's a show and everyone has their problems. Kids don't see that a lot of times. They see what's on social media and everybody showing the pretty picture of what, you know, their vacation look like, but they don't mention the, like, Hellish 24 hours before that picture was taken when they missed their flight and their luggage got canceled and all the other things. They don't think about what happens behind the scenes. They don't see that. And we need to help them see that it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to make errors. And it's okay to get help if you don't feel okay. So if you take one thing out of this episode today, I would like for you to check on the emotional health of the kiddos in your world. Let them know that you are an area of support if they need it. Check in early and often. Get them mental health help if they need it. There are all sorts of resources around to support mental health because I know it has been a greater challenge in recent years with all of the dramatic things happening in our universe. And I want to make sure all kids and families and educators feel the support that they might need right now. I encourage you today for your homework is to go look up where the mental health resources are in your area. I encourage you right now to go look up the crisis numbers in your area should you ever need them. Most counties have some sort of mental health crisis line that you can call and get support if you ever need it. The national number is 988 for suicide prevention. Make sure that you know where to get help if you need it because in an emergency, a lot of people don't think clearly which is probably why I got the emergency phone call this week because I do think more clearly in a crisis and was able to get help for somebody who needed it this week. So I hope you have the number. So even if you don't need it for yourself, you might need it for somebody else in your life. And in a crisis moment, they can't think clearly to go find it themselves. So get the number for your local mental health professionals in your area. So it's ready when you need it. That's it for today. I promise next week will be full of happiness and joy. But this one was weighing heavy on me this week, and I really needed to let it all out, both for your benefit and mine, before I take a deep breath and go on a much-needed vacation. Sending you all the best. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you want to learn even more about dyslexia, check out ParnelloEducation.com forward slash courses. See you next time.